We're merrily, 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 merrily on our way to being done with this pod series. <laughs> We're merrily, 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 merrily on our way where the films are actual movies. <laughs> We're always in a hurry. We've got no time to stall. We've got to podcast. We've got to podcast. But why we can't recall. Do 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 do. Woo! We're merrily, 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 merrily on our way, and we may be talking about Icky and Mr. Toad and Winky. We're not so sure, but what do we care? We're only sure we've got to be there. We're merrily on our way to the Silver Era. <laughs> Yay! We're on our way. It's the last one. It's the last one. Let's start the show. Yeah. everybody and welcome back to me mom and the mouse a podcast about the joy of watching cartoons with your family we're watching every film in the disney animated canon and talking about how it was made what it means and why we love it or don't my name is isaac coleman and i'm joined as always by my mother rue coleman hello again how are you doing today, Isaac? I am. I'm full of pep. <laughs> Seemed like it from that song. When we ended the last episode, I was having a prophecy of doom. I was like, is this one also going to be bad? Mm-hmm. And it's not bad. No, it is not. But more importantly, 90 minutes to two hours from now, once we've finished recording this episode, we never have to talk about the Disney wartime era ever again. <laughs> And that's why we're merrily, 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 merrily on our way. Yes. We get to talk about movies. <laughs> Yay, movies. What? This week on the program, in case you're just tuning in because, <laughs> you know, you're you're the world's biggest Ichabod and Mr. Toad fan. Yeah. Uh, which I respect, which I respect, you know. We are concluding our discussion of the wartime era, which is the series of package films of shorts that were combined during and shortly after the war, with Ichabod and Mr. Toad, as I already said, from the year 1949, directed by Jack Kinney and Clyde Geronimi, I believe they did Ichabod, and James Alger, I believe, did Mr. Toad. Okay. But those are the three directors Yeah. in some configuration, but I'm pretty <laughs> sure I'm right. But if I'm not, who cares? <laughs> I don't care. You can't, you can't bring me down today. We're done. Last <laughs> short movie. Yes. And that's it. Goodbye, everybody. We, don't, <laughs> we technically talked about it. Next week is Cinderella. <laughs> <laughs> no, we still need to talk about this one. Oh, okay. This one's actually, I mean, it's better than the last couple. So come on. There's more to say. <laughs> this one is pretty good. Tell, tell, tell me what, Mom? What does this movie mean to you? Well, as a whole, I had, don't think I had ever actually watched this movie until we watched it the other day for this podcast all in one piece. I thought for sure I'd seen it at least once, but when we were watching it, I was like, oh, I never saw that before. <laughs> so I think I've at least seen parts of Wind in the Willows or, you know, the Mr. Toad segment, not the whole thing. And I had definitely seen the whole thing of the Ichabod Crane section, The Legend of Sleepy Hollow. And I do know exactly where I saw that, too, because it was on a, a Halloween special. I think it was actually on the one called the Halloween Hall of Fame which originally came out in 1977, but I wouldn't have seen it that early. It would have been much later. <laughs> mm -hmm. I'm sure they just showed it on TV well, over to be, and over To be and fair, over. You, you might have seen it in 1977, but you wouldn't 
I wouldn't remember remember it. Because you were zero. It's true. I was around for that first Halloween, but it was my first Halloween. (laughs) I think, you know, when people talk about 1977 being this pivotal year for film, Uh I think Halloween Hall of Fame (laughs) is, you know... I think it's like, it's Star Wars, it's that, you know, the, they're about equal in the cultural <laughs> consciousness. But for whatever reason, though, I can actually remember where I saw that as opposed to Mr. Toad. It, I really enjoyed it overall when we watched it the other day. So it was fun to see it all as one piece as it originally came out. But, right. you know, didn't stay that way for long. Well, it is. I mean, we'll talk about it. It yeah. is a baffling combination. It is. It is. It is a combination that is solely driven by we want to release something that's an hour long and we have two things that are 30 minutes long. <laughs> it does not matter. Right. These things have nothing to do with each other at <laughs> it's all. It's so true. I think of, of all of the package film combinations, this one surely has the least thematic coherence. I think even fun and fancy free. Mm-hmm. has yeah. more connective tissue than this. <laughs> which doesn't mean it's bad. So I'll, I'll talk about my relationship with this movie, which is, this is a movie that always stuck in my head, even though I have definitely never seen it or any part of it before <laughs> we watch it for this podcast. But it has always stuck in my memory. Yeah. And the reason is written on my shirt. You see what these two words say? VHS trailer. That's right. For whatever reason, this film got a a 1999 release, and that was the first release that actually had them two combined on home video. Yeah. Otherwise, all of the home video releases had them split up. I think it was 1999. I'm pretty sure you're correct. But for whatever reason, this was on a bunch of the VHSs we had. And I've talked about how my relationship with Disney movies started with those clamshell VHSs that we would watch over and over and over. And so even though we didn't own this one, and I never watched it, this one like stuck in my head. The trailer for this is buried in my brain (laughs) from the ugly late 90s CGI vault opening (laughs) for the first time out of the Disney vault. Oh, man. And it's Ichabod and Mr. Toad. There's the scene of Mr. Toad sitting there being like, a motor car. What have I been missing? (laughs) And like, even specifically the way that they cut that line. Yeah. Because in the movie, what he actually says is, a motor car. Gad. What have I been missing? (laughs) But they've not only cut gad out of it they cut the what and have to make it shorter because you gotta fit into a trailer runtime so in my head i hear emotica what have i been missing (laughs) every every part of it is seared into my consciousness yeah and that's how i know i've never seen it or any part of it because i'm very confident i would remember if I'd ever actually watched it. Right. Also, not to jump all the way to the end of our podcast, uh, I think it was a good call on your part to not own this because <laughs> the second part would have just made me die. Yes, yes. It would have been no good at all. Yep, I'm pretty sure that was uh, the reasoning. But as you said, we'll get there later. So this movie, again, it has weirdly a special place for me in the way that I think is one of the things we really try to talk about on this show is that like your relationship with Disney movies isn't just your literal relationship with the actual films. Oh, yeah. It's all of the weird ephemera. Exactly. And this has always been that for me. And I've also connected more on some of the bits with the ephemera as we'll talk, you know, with the rides and things, stuff in the parks, whatever. Um, Right. I have more connection to some of the 
some of the things from that than actually watching the movie. So like you, I sat down, I watched it. I guess this was the first time either of us had actually really watched this thing. <laughs> and I did uh, come away liking it a lot. I've got a, I've got a hot take on it that I think I'll save for the end. Okay, okay. But I, I do definitely enjoy it. Good. So the origin of this movie is the origin of uh, all these later package films specifically, which is yeah. we got some stuff laying around, tape it together, and <laughs> throw it into a theater and hope they play it. <laughs> hope people come see it. Hope that it makes, you know, $1.6 million, which this movie did, which even for the time is not enough or not a lot. <laughs> But it doesn't matter. The only purpose of this movie was to keep the lights on long enough yeah. for next year where, you know, we'll talk about this next week. Walt bet absolutely everything on Cinderella and the bet hits. Yeah. Cinderella is a huge hit. And yes. literally in a parallel universe where Cinderella doesn't make money, that's the end of our podcast. <laughs> that's the end of the Disney animated canon and possibly Disney as a company. But certainly Disney's animated division. Right. I doubt we'd even be doing a podcast because who would care would be like, oh, you know, those there was a couple of those cute movies and that right, was at the right. end. We would be doing a Don Bluth podcast. <laughs> I don't know what, what what that alternate universe looks like. Maybe they don't have the vid. That would be maybe, nice. Maybe. I think that's a fair trade. <laughs> However, When Did the Willows started much earlier than all of the other package shorts we've talked about. Yeah. Because... This was going to be the movie after Bambi. Makes sense. Right after Snow White and the Seven Dwarves, Disney Animation, like, is drunk on power. <laughs> and starts pursuing 800 projects at once, which we've talked about. Yeah. Many of those projects materialized. Many of them later became part of these package films. Many of them just fell off the face of the earth. Yep. But specifically, uh, two of Disney's animators, because in addition to Walt picking stuff up people were pitching stuff to him so two of his animators yeah james badrero and campbell grant pitched making a movie based on the wind in the willows mm -hmm. which is a children's book from 1908 uh, by kenneth graham which was very popular at the time and remains i think pretty popular i definitely read it yeah. multiple times as a child yeah it's a book we own so you would have had access to it easily it was one of a.a a. milne's favorite books ever <laughs> i don't know if you knew this a, a. Milne, of that. course hopefully everyone knows is the writer of winnie the pooh yes and if you don't know about this i have to read what he said about wind in the willows which is one can argue over the merits of most books and in arguing understand the point of view of one's opponent one may even come to the conclusion that possibly he is right after all one does not argue about the wind in the willows. <laughs> the young man gives it to the girl with whom he is in love, and if she does not like it, asks her to return his letters. <laughs> the older man tries it on his nephew and alters his will accordingly. The book is a test of character. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that's great. That is how much he loved it. He was like, if you don't love the wind in the willows, you deserve to be unpersoned. <laughs> I personally wouldn't go that far, but <laughs> I like it. <laughs> so I guess you're okay in his book. I, I would. I would. I would. A.A. A. Milne would not have me shot on sight. <laughs> but obviously, you know, this is a popular book. It came out in 1908, so it's old enough to be affordable, but recent enough to still be in the public consciousness in yeah. a big way. And their big argument was, this is something that would make a great movie 
and it can only be a movie in animation. Because the main characters are animals. Right, because you can't have, you know... Now I'm imagining, like, we talked about how some Corner and Dumbo's Circus, whatever that thing was called. I'm imagining, like... Puppet people. The, yes, horrifying puppet, Mr. <laughs> Nasty. God! Perfect, perfect. And at first, Walt didn't really want to do it. Because I think a through line that we are seeing, and that we especially saw in the golden era, is Disney's trying to get away from anything that feels cartoony. Even though he's making cartoons. And even though from a modern point of view, like, Cinderella is incredibly cartoony. Like, there's all the stuff with the mice and the cat is just ridiculousness. Mm -hmm. But he wanted to get away from that more. Like, obviously, his peak was Fantasia and Bambi. Right. Which Bambi especially, more so than Fantasia... Is pretty humorless. Yeah, and very realistic artwork and... Yep, and he was just like, the wind in the willows, that's... The material is too silly. It's just (laughs) gonna be like silly cartoon characters. He felt it would be awful corny, is apparently the quote. (laughs) But he still acquired the rights, because again, he was drunk with power and just buying everything. (laughs) Might as well, right? Maybe I'll want to do it later. It was actually set to be the thing that happened after Bambi. It was already in production. And as you can tell, they finished, give or take, maybe 20 minutes of it. Yeah. But, of course, then there were the financial troubles. And then the United States government seized the studio. And when they got back to it, they did not possibly have the money to finish Wind in the Willows. And, of course, Walt didn't really want to anyway. Yeah. They animated enough of it to get it back up to 30 minutes. And make it a complete story, more or less. Right, right. Obviously, the final version takes a lot of liberties with Wind in the Willows. Does not have a ton of similarity to the original book, other than, you know, the main characters and kind of the iconography. Yeah. What everyone remembers from that book is Toad in a motor car. And we've got that, sort of. Sort of. I mean, he's never actually in the car. But obviously, yeah. it's it's important. And that actually happened right after World War II. That happened in 1946, but the project was shelved after that. So they have, in 1946, the completed Wind in the Willows segment. But they don't do anything with it. Yeah. Now, at some point, and you and I were talking about this, we couldn't figure out why. But at some point, Disney Studios started creating this adaptation of The Legend of Sleepy Hollow. Yeah. We can't find anything except for approximately, it seems like they started working on it after the war, so 46 or so. Yeah, 46, 47 is kind of what I'm seeing. Yeah. I found one source that didn't, like, list its source, saying that this was actually intended to be, let's do The Legend of Sleepy Hollow as a full-length feature film, but then they started working on it and realized it's not a, like, (laughs) it's not a movie-length story. It it is about, you know, 30 minutes. Maybe, but I can't find any evidence on that. What's weird about it is, like, so they were really working on it in 46, 47, and I assume up to 49 when it's released, Mm -hmm. they had to be working on at least parts of it. Right. Especially since it's only after 47 that they cast Bing Crosby, and you can't animate this until you have his... (laughs) Like, it's so keyed to his voice work and everything. It really is. What I can't understand is... The Ichabod segment is, like, really well animated, and it had a bunch of the A-team animators on it, the quote-unquote nine old men. Yeah. Why were they being devoted to this at the same time that Cinderella was in its, (laughs) like, last half of production? 
uh, of serious animation production, yeah. which started in 48. It's hard to say. Maybe because it's a short, they thought they could get away with, here, you guys just hammer this thing out and then go back to Cinderella. Um, I have no idea. I'm not totally sure either. If you know, like, feel free to reach out to us at me, Mom Mouse on Twitter. We'll be happy to share whatever information you have. We're not a history podcast, and that's a good thing, because we'd be a pretty bad history podcast. <laughs> the Wind in the Willow segment is my, as we kind of get into the synopsis here, I like it better than the Sleepy Hollow segment. Mm-hmm. And I think part of that is because I think it looks a lot better, and I think that is obviously because it is like 30 minutes of a golden era film. Ah. And it has a lot of the hallmarks of such, right? It has those gorgeous oil paint backgrounds that they couldn't afford in the wartime era. Yeah. It has a lot more like good character animation. I think you can tell a lot of the areas where it's much cheaper. Mm-hmm. But overall, I think it looks a lot better. I don't know why the Sleepy Hollow segment, they didn't just do like what they did with the Melody Time and be like, okay, you know, who are the animators we can spare? Make some garbage. Obviously, I'm happy. Oh, right. Uh, that that yeah. happened because yeah. Melody Time, everyone's <laughs> heard my thoughts on Melody Time. <laughs> but it's it's surprising to me and I don't mm-hmm. understand the decision and I would like to know why the decision was made. Maybe they had to make it look better to match it with Wind in the Willows. I don't Perhaps. Know. I'm just throwing I'm just throwing stuff out there. I can speculate all day long. Right, exactly. <laughs> the other thing, of course, as far as this becoming an actual package film, around 46, they decide that they're going to combine The Wind in the Willows with The Legend of Happy Valley, which we talked about was the original form of Mickey and the Beanstalk. Yeah. And an adaptation of the Roald Dahl story, The Gremlins. Hmm. I don't know that I've read that one. Yeah, it's a, it's a more obscure one. That one never even like got off the ground. I don't think they <laughs> no. did anything with the Gremlins. No, I don't think they did. It was going to be called Three Fabulous Characters. <laughs> when they got rid of the Gremlins, they were going to call it Two Fabulous Characters. <laughs> then, as we talked about, they put The Legend of Happy Valley in Fun and Fancy Free in mm-hmm. 47. Yep. And late 47 is when they decide, okay, we'll finish Sleepy Hollow We'll combine it with Wind in the Willows, which is already done, and we'll combine them into a feature film, and that'll be the two fabulous characters film. Yeah. (laughs) But now, this is the other thing I couldn't figure out why. It was renamed The Adventures of Ichabod and Mr. Toad. Yeah. My guess is these movies, they're trying to make as much money as possible. They're trying to get Mm -hmm. people into the theater, and they're really trading on name recognition. Right. This one especially. And so I wonder if that's the idea of like, we want people to know who's actually in the movie. Right. So Ichabod and Mr. Toad. Yeah. These are character names people might know at this time. Oh, for sure. And if you're just saying two fabulous characters, you know, the the movie going audience might be like, oh, really? Who? You know? <laughs> yeah. Which ones? <laughs> Which ones? Well, if they aren't the two fabulous characters I want them to be. <laughs> I would like it if every movie just like, named how many characters there are like it's not called <laughs> tenet it's called like four fabulous characters <laughs> but clearly that decision must have happened pretty late in production yeah because if you actually watch this movie knowing its working title was the two fabulous characters they're talking about the two fabulous characters the whole time they are at the whenever they're when they're introing the two segments um they're definitely Referring to the fabulous characters. Uh, And, of course, this is when they cast Basil Rathbone and Bing Crosby. 
Basil Rathbone being an English actor. Yep. Whose preferred place was on the stage, but who also did a lot of radio and film and television. He's very well known for playing Sherlock Holmes at the time. Yes. Yes. By this point, he had been in 14 Sherlock Holmes films. Yeah. So, and yes, was was really well known for that and is kind of the first iconic film incarnation of that character. Mm-hmm. In fact, to the point that Basil Rathbone will actually appear... Basil Rathbone will return in Avengers. <laughs> no, he will return in a later film in this podcast. It's true. Because a recording of him is used in Great Mouse Detective. Yes. Which I almost call Basil of Baker Street, because mm-hmm. I always think of it as Basil of Baker Street. It's true, and you know what? I think I made a note about it as Basil of Baker Street instead of Great Mouse yes. Detective later, but... Oops. It should, it should probably have been called... Maybe, you know what? Actually, now that I think about it, it should have been called One Fabulous Character. That's what I'll be referring to that movie as from now on. <laughs> one Fabulous Character and a few mediocre ones <laughs> and one really excellent evil one. <laughs> oh, yes. Radigan is the fabulous character. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I mixed that up then. <laughs> no, I I actually really like that movie. I know. We'll get there. We'll get know, there. In 20 years. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and Bing Crosby at this point is just possibly the most famous man you know in america like yeah he's already won his academy award he's gotten another nomination did you look at any of the uh, poster art the original advertisements for this movie isn't it all like basically it's like bing crosby in the adventures of ichabod and mr toad uh yeah pretty much pretty (laughs) much there's a lot of bing and walt have done this thing (laughs) Yes, the most well-known poster is the one that's like, here, Bing Sing. Yes. And contains an advertisement on it for the record. Yeah. Uh, because Bing Crosby also recorded a slightly different version of the songs and the narration for a record, mm-hmm. which was released at the same time and which yeah. like was as much of a financial success and was as important in the minds of Disney as the movie itself. Like, yes. We have a discreet Bing Crosby record. Yes. Told and sung by Bing Crosby and told by Basil Rathbone. <laughs> I know. I know. I'm just imagining that. Ba- like, Basil Rathbone was a well-known figure. So I'm just imagining him. He's... I would say either of these guys are probably more famous than a lot of the famous people that have been brought in for these package films, probably with the exception of Roy Rogers. Yeah. But I'm just imagining Basil Rathbone being like, oh, yes, I'm going to be, you know, the lead in a Disney film. I'm going to be by far the most famous person. They've brought me in specifically for name recognition. Yeah. Oh, I see. There's there's going to be two segments. Uh, Who's the narrator for the other one? Oh, darn. Oh, Gad. (laughs) Oh, Gad. I can't help but hear that you're, you know, releasing a record uh, of the Ichabod Crane segment. Here's an idea. How about a Wind in the Willows record? Yeah. Featuring Basil Rathbone. What about the O? Oh, it's it's not it's not worth the money to print on vinyl. Aww. Okay, I see. I, 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 what if I was the B-side? Okay, hear me out. <laughs> I was just thinking I'm that the, same thing. I'm the B-side of... No? No? All right. <laughs> I was also thinking, you know, the name of it is... Ichabod and Mr. Toad and of course they are right. reversed in the actual watching and I was right. like is it Ichabod first because Bing Crosby is the big name and they could put his name first it, it could be more likely it's just if you try to say the adventures of Mr. Toad and Ichabod it sounds dumb yeah I mean it kind of sounds 
It's not a great title. It's not. Neither is Two Fabulous Characters. <laughs> but if you're going to jam these two together, what are you going to call it? Yeah. Wind in the Sleepy Hollow. Wind in the Sleepy Hollow. <laughs> Legend of the Willows. <laughs> <laughs> I'm surprised they didn't just call it Bing Crosby, parentheses, feet Ichabod. <laughs> And yeah, it's a it's a 68 minute film. It was released to pretty good reviews. Yeah, I didn't see two bad ones. Today, it's something of a cult classic, especially the Sleepy Hollow segment. Mm -hmm. My opinion that I like the first segment better is not the norm, <laughs> but that's okay. I'm an iconoclast, <laughs> and uh, it's good. Yep. So let's talk about it. Let's talk about what happens in this movie. Starts out live action. Who's surprised? <laughs> So my segment goes first. So do you think maybe I could have the title song? No? No, that's going to Bing as well. Bing yeah. Bing is doing the title song. Okay, no, yeah. that's that's fine. Uh, does Basil Rathbone ever even sing? <laughs> like, no. No, no, like for reals. I don't know that he was actually a singer. He, he doesn't sing in this movie. I don't think that was really something he did. I don't think so either. What, what if I just like... What if it's a, a, a patter song? <laughs> it's true. I did forget to start with the credits sequence where they do sing another song, but like there is a theme song for this movie, but they just say Ichabod and Mr. Toad and it's instrumental other than them saying those four words mm -hmm. multiple times. Yes. <laughs> so that's why I forgot there was a theme and song. And I think, is it, isn't it like... Isn't it the same tune from the later song about Ichabod? It's not exactly. It's slightly different. If It seemed like it was pretty close, but I trust you. Yeah, I did just listen to it again just to check. Ichabod and some other guy who sucks. All right, that's really uncalled for. <laughs> hey, at least he gets to go first. <laughs> uh, he does indeed. And we open on this really nice stained glass window. Yep. We go into a house. As you say, it's live action. We have live action books. Basil Rathbone is talking about who is the most fabulous character in English literature. Yes, and he lists a whole bunch of potentials, and almost all of them have been turned into Disney movies later. Yes, that is true. Not quite all, but almost all. So that's really funny. Robin Hood, Oliver at Twist. Right. <laughs> yes, he I... says Oliver and Company. No, he doesn't. He says Oliver Who is the Twist. most fabulous character in English literature? <laughs> it's that rapping dog played by Billy Joel. Yes. <laughs> I can't wait to talk about Oliver and Company. It's <laughs> demented. Anyway, there are several others he lists, and most of them have been made into movies later. Which I is weirdly funny. started... He talks about it for so long, I weirdly started thinking about it. I was like, who is the most fabulous character in English literature? And I was like, <laughs> what is that? <laughs> That's nonsense. That's nothing. Yeah. Uh, but it is Arthur Dent. <laughs> it's apparently J. Thaddeus Toad Esquire. Yes, he says, I would nominate a toad. Yes. It's funny, I thought Basil Rathbone did all the voices. I did short. too. When we were watching the short, I could pretend in my ear, like, that sounds like it's him changing his voice to the characters' voices, but he does not. Right. All the voices do sound like they could be somebody doing voices. And that's just, I think, you know, so many of the shorts we've watched lately. You have uh, Willie the Opera Singer. Right. And Johnny Appleseed. The big gimmick is one actor doing all of the voices. Right. And all the singing and everything. And so, yeah, it does, it does feel like... Oh, well, if this is Basil Rathbone, he's doing all the things. So we just kind of 
assumed it, but also it, they sounded similar enough that I could pretend it was. <laughs> yes. But we were wrong. Totally wrong. He only does the narration. So jokes aside about, you know, how he might have felt about working on this movie. In actuality, I'm sure this was a couple of hours in a recording booth for him. <laughs> he is pretty committed, though. Oh, he is. He does a good job. And he has to do a lot of narration. Yeah. There are several scenes where instead of there being actual dialogue, it's just him narrating what would be happening. Right. But he's not doing as much as Bing Crosby, who no. does. He doesn't quite do all of the voices. He does most of it. He's a narrator, Ichabod Crane and Brom Bones. And most of the time, other people are talking. It's actually yeah. just him narrating or singing. And he does sing quite a bit. <laughs> right. Like we said, I think that comes down to Legend of Sleepy Hollow was being animated around Crosby's narration mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. Wind in the Willows was already pretty much done. Yeah. So we do see the actual Wind in the Willows book, supposedly. I mean, we see yes. a book of it and we go inside of it and we are introduced to, uh, of course, Rat and Mole and Badger. When this is Angus Mac Badger, yeah. who is voiced by Campbell Grant, who is really letting the team down. It's true. He's he's one of the animators and he, he worked on not just this, but he also worked on, you know, Fantasia and other previous things. He does not do a Scottish accent. Nope. <laughs> he tried. Oh, <laughs> It was not good. I'm Angus Mac Badger. I have a Scottish accent. Yeah. Faith and Begora. That's Luckily, not even. No, it's not. Luckily, he, he doesn't actually talk very much, McBadger. And that was why I was like, I guess Basil, you know, you'd think as an actual Englishman, Basil Rathbone could at least <laughs> approximate a Scottish accent, you know, at least better than Mike Myers in Shrek. <laughs> at least, that's, that's at least the standard you ought to hold yourself to. Nope. Yep. So we're introduced to all the characters. The animal characters are animal sized compared to the human characters, most of whom are, you know, actual people sized. Right. So there's a great size disparity between them, which is amusing. Mm -hmm. And again, immediately, like, the backgrounds are gorgeous. Yeah. The character designs are really good and really squash and stretch. They have a lot of movement in them. It mm -hmm. doesn't look nearly as flat as the stuff we've been watching lately. Mm -hmm. And it was just immediately like, this might not be good, but it's going to be better than everything we've been watching. The very beginning where he's introducing the, where he's introducing the characters and what's going on and kind of setting the stage you're kind of just seeing still images i was like is this where we're watching the storyboards for things that didn't get completed and just yeah there's a quick talk over of what's yeah there's going on. a few shots of still images in this one and it's yeah that's that's how that works mm -hmm. i would totally watch a full disney wind in the willows movie i bet they could do it I bet they could do it well. Like from this time, mm -hmm. what I'm saying is oh. not even like, oh. I don't want them to do it in 2020. What I'm oh, saying is if this in the world where World War II didn't happen and this had been the movie right after Bambi, I think it would have been a good movie. Oh, I think so too. Unless they kept the same voice for Angus McBadger. Oh, it's me, <laughs> the guy from Gosford Park, <laughs> who turns out to only be fake Scottish. <laughs> Angus McBadger! <laughs> other, other, perhaps, than that. I, and I think it's interesting, this movie, not only do I, like, obviously I think it's good, mm -hmm. I think it captures the Disney magic of the golden era, 
better than any other wartime film, especially this segment. But it's also interesting because this was a Disney movie with so little involvement from Walt Disney, uh-huh. which is obviously true of Melody Time as well. But Melody Time was just was just garbage. I mean, <laughs> and everyone involved was like, yeah, this is garbage. Yeah. This one, the director of the Wind in the Wills segment, James Algar, and the two animators who pitched it really cared about it. It's the first kind of Disney animated thing where the auteur is not Walt Disney. Mm-hmm. And I think that's interesting. And yeah. Legend of Sleepy Hollow as well. I don't know that it has quite as like clear a voice or voices leading it. Yeah. But it does... Disney was really involved because in 1949, like he took a big trip to England. Mm-hmm. He wasn't even being involved with Cinderella that much. He was spending more time with the 1950 Treasure Island film, mm-hmm. which was Disney's first live action movie. I see. Like, fully live-action movie, right. I should I say. Not a, not a combination. Because mm-hmm. he was like, is this animation thing even going to work out at all? <laughs> Do we need to pivot yeah. to... By the way, that Treasure Island movie starring Bobby Driscoll. Yes. Who we mentioned last week. Mm-hmm. I don't think I've seen it. I don't know if you've seen it. I have seen it. But Treasure Island is not one of my favorite stories. I mean, it's okay. I've seen that one. I've seen Muppet Treasure Island. I have seen another movie we'll be talking about later. Treasure Planet. <laughs> yes, indeed. Conversely, I love Treasure Island. It is one of my favorite stories. Yeah. I have seen many film adaptations of it. Would not be surprised if I'd seen this one. Uh, and we will indeed talk about <laughs> it's this discrepancy we have. I wonder if it will translate to that aforementioned future episode. <laughs> this movie, all in all, is interesting because it's not really Walt's movie. Right. I'm sure he had his fingers in some pies. Right. And I think we like the funnier strains of Disney films. I think it's that's true. often what we connect to is the more comedic stuff. It's I mean, true. Uh, it, with each episode we record, we get closer to Sword in the Stone. <laughs> and we enjoy that stuff. And so like this, I don't know, it's having fun. It's it like, is. great, we're out of the dreariness of Bongo and uh-huh. that stupid tree poem <laughs> and all of that. And we're having a great time. We like, are. It's just bouncy and zippy and fun. And not fun like Fun and Fancy Free was trying to pretend to be fun. This is actually fun. Right. So back to the story. The most important thing you have to know about the story is Toad Hall is important to the people who live in this in the area by the river. All the animals yes. care about Toad Hall. <laughs> That's really all you're told. Um, but it's important. <laughs> right. You know, I'm glad they're not trying to explain anything. We go oh, straight not to really Mac time. Badger! Counting all of Toad's expenses. Yeah. There's an angry mob of collectors. Yeah, because Toad has been living beyond his means. A- and it's the old trick, like, one of my favorite movies of all time, The Third Man, does this. It's such a good trick in a movie to build up a character before you actually meet him. Mm-hmm. It just makes you like that character more. And so it's a good little idea to give us all of this like background on Toad mm-hmm. and how he's this high-flying gadabout with his manias, as yes. they say in this movie, yes. over and over again. He's always got a new mania. And we, of course, meet Rat and Mole as well. Come here. Uh, come to Toad Hall. And basically, yep. Mac Badger is like, Ah, I need you guys to, to help me. Go... Deal with Toad. He's on a carriage kick now. That's his new thing. And a horse. And a horse. 
The horse is a bad influence, and I love that for him. <laughs> it's true, the horse is a really bad influence. Both J. Thaddeus Toad and the horse Cyril Proudbottom yes. are both played by actual English actors. The Toad is played by Eric Bloor, mm-hmm. who I think was mostly a theater actor. He was in several Hollywood films, but nothing particularly notable. He was just, and I'm sorry to say it this way, but he kind of was just like, we need a fat British guy. (laughs) (laughs) And so this is like, we need an animated fat British guy. So they got the master of that. I guess. I have seen some of the things he's in. I have too. He's not particularly notable in any of them. Yeah. And then J. Pat O'Malley is the horse. He was a singer. Of course, he sings the song. Yes. And he was a character actor and a stage actor. He was on uh, a ton of stuff. And he is more playing goofy characters. There aren't any other roles of his I'm really familiar with, uh, other than he is in the Disney Alice in Wonderland as several characters, including Tweedledum and Tweedledee. He did several voices for Disney movies later. He's Yes, and now I'm seeing he's also in Mary Poppins as various animated characters. Hunter Dalmatians, un- The Jungle Book. Yep, and he's great. I mean, he is a great kind of... I don't know, he just has a lot of energy. Yeah. And he's he's very funny. He is. And I really like... I like this horse... I like all the characters in this, and I like that the characters serve different roles. Mm-hmm. Like... Rat, Mole, and Badger are all kind of, you know, positioned against Toad, but they're not all scolds in the same way. It's not not. like, they all have a different role to play, where Mac Badger is just like, I hate Toad. (laughs) He's like, I have just got to get these finances under control. And Rat is like, come on, Toad, can't you calm down? Right, we need to give, we just need to lecture him. Yeah. And Mole's like, yeah, he's kind of cool. He's kind of cool, <laughs> He's kind of cool. I kind of like Toad. He's like, I'll go on adventures with Toad. Oh, wait, we're supposed to be disapproving. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> right. They each have a different role. Yeah. It's really good. And then we meet Toad and his horse singing the Merrily song, yes. which I love. I, I could never have guessed <laughs> since that's the one you did for the opener. <laughs> yes, I, it's just so fun. And again, like we've built up this character of Toad and now we see him and yep. he's everything we were led to believe. And it's a human sized cart and a human sized horse with a little right. Toad. <sighs> and the song is fun and the dance is fun. Toad is like jump roping with the reins on yeah. top of the horse. Yeah. The song is about you know, g- driving to nowhere at all, which is one of the great pleasures of life. Yep. Just, we don't know. It doesn't matter where we're going. We're just going. They're crashing through hedges. They're yeah. driving through water. Which is, you know, Mick Badger's heart just going, oh, <laughs> <laughs> more fines. Rat and Mole do catch up with him, though. And they're like, you have to stop this madness careening around the countryside. Mole's like, I'll come with. Oh, wait, no. <laughs> I, and I love, as their lecture came, Toad covers his ears. Oh, uh, yes. That, well, which is him putting his hands on his eyeballs. Yeah. And and it does make the sound of the lecture, like, mute. Like, yes. The, the, the audience hears what Toad is hearing. And then Cyril starts doing it, too. The horse plugs his ears with his tips with of his, his ears. ears like yes he plugs his ears with the tips of his ears yeah they have so much fun with cyril's face oh yeah and like horse faces are a gift to animators at the best of times <laughs> but here 
His lips and his teeth are not attached. Oh, no, they are not. <laughs> He's got like a plastic bag over a skull. <laughs> and it's so floppy. It's so funny. And yeah, I do. You're right that it mutes the conversation. Even better than that, I'd forgotten. He starts doing what we've all done, which is like uncovering, covering. Yeah, uncovering, yeah, covering. yeah, yeah. Like when you have noise canceling headphones or something. I love that that's just apparently a human impulse that we could all relate to <laughs> 70 years ago. Yeah. It's great. But yeah, so of course the, the ending joke of this scene is Toad being like, you'll never get me to give this up. Like nothing will ever make me forget about my cart that I love. <laughs> and then a motor car shows up. Yeah. What have I been missing? <laughs> a motor car. A motor car. And then something that was not in the trailer. <laughs> that just, I could not handle. It's, it's so, so, funny. so funny. He starts going like, he starts spitting like he makes car noises making car noises and bumping along on his butt like he's in an invisible car so he just keeps making car noise like and he's bouncing yes. around like he's in a car on his rear end while, while his eyes do like the classic disney thing of like turning green and there's weird spot like this is i feel yeah. like when somebody gets hypnotized by ka that's what his yeah. eyes are doing this is his mania eyes yes it's not just that he's like oh i'm so excited to drive a car it's like he is truly not on planet earth anymore <laughs> So Rat and Mole wrestle him back to his house, Toad Hall. And it's so funny, because again... He's just continuing car they noises. They walk him all the way back. They pull him all the way up the stairs. He's been doing this for hours. Yep. Just... Yep. <laughs> and into his bedroom, where they put him in his nightgown, they steal all of his clothes... And they lock, or they before they lock him in his room, they actually toss water on his face. And then it's like the car is dying and you actually can see him like shifting it into park. Yes. <laughs> you know, and then it's so funny. And then they lock him in his room. <laughs> yep. Saying, you're just going to have to stay here till the mania passes. Right. Of course, he immediately sneaks out. Yeah. I love the line is... Um, well, you know, I there have was it written one... down if you oh, want go me ahead, to do you it. do it because you've got it written down. There is only one thing wrong with Ratty's plan to cure Toad. It didn't work. <laughs> <laughs> yep, that was that was great. I love that one. He would get a car even if he had to beg, borrow, or, or newspaper headline, he's arrested for stealing. Yes. And then we're in a courtroom. It's like a big chunk of this short is this courtroom drama. It is. <laughs> I love it. I love, I was saying this to somebody yesterday, there are few things I love more in a movie, in a comedy, mm -hmm. than a courtroom scene. <laughs> and the prosecutor walks in, he's 80% chin by volume. Oh yeah. <laughs> it's another, again, it's another good design. It's just, it feels like an oasis in all the generic character designs. Yeah. Did you recognize his voice? The prosecutor? No, I did not. He's the, he's the guy who's the narrator for the Goofy shorts. Wow. That's great. I did not know that. John McLeish, yes. But I stayed up, recognized his voice. I was like, not all the time. He sometimes is actually like screaming and shouting. And it's like, well, that's obviously not what he would do. But at the beginning, when he first starts talking, I was like, oh, that sounds like the goofy narrator. So I double checked. And he's great in this. And the lawyer is great in this, especially like the way he moves. Like he'll just pop up and down from behind the podium. Mm. Somebody else is talking at. And he'll, you know, he'll slink along the floor and then he'll stand up and he'll be very, like, again, 
This short is just so full of life. The yeah. performances, the visuals. Toad represents himself, so for the defense, and he calls Cyril to the witness stand. And Cyril tells the story that they saw the red motor car and followed it to where it stopped at this pub. They saw some weasels get out. Even though they know weasels can be, you know, shifty and deceitful, they had no way of knowing the car had been stolen. They go into the pub. Toad asks the proprietor of the pub, whose name happens to be Mr. Winky, who owns this hot car. And he says, I want to buy it. And he doesn't have any money, of course, because he's still wearing his nightgown. (laughs) Right. So he writes up a deed for Toad Hall and exchanges it for the car. And Mac Badger has a heart attack and dies. Right. And Winky co-signs it as a witness. And then Toad drives off in the car and is presumably stopped by the cops because it's a stolen car. Everybody's like, how can you believe that? There's no evidence. And Toad is like, well, I will call Mr. Winky to be my witness. Mr. Winky is polishing the podium like it's (laughs) Like it's bar. Even... Even this, like, Z-grade character, (laughs) although he does kind of, you know, turn out to be the villain in the end, sort of, kind of-ish. Yeah. Yeah. But even he, you know, gets to have a bit and gets to be memorable. He is the shortest human. He is all teeth, practically. And except for his mustache and his hair on top of his head, which looks like a tinier mustache. Yes. (laughs) And he is voiced by Oliver Wallace, who did much of the film music for Disney's animated films and shorts, including Dumbo, Victory Through Air Power, which we talked about, this one, Cinderella, Alice in Wonderland, Peter Pan, Lady and the Tramp, etc., etc., etc. Interesting. So he does the voice of Mr. Winky because he was British. Mm-hmm. So they're like, hey, yeah. British guy. <laughs> we have a character that says like four things. Yep. Also is best known probably for the song Der Führer's Face. He wrote that. Oh, I did not know that. That's interesting. He wrote he wrote that for that Donald Duck cartoon. <laughs> he's he's an incredibly important composer in Disney history, but he was uncredited on so much that yeah. people don't know about him and probably not super well paid either. Yeah. As is the way. Yeah. So, of course, since Mr. Winky says he tried to sell me the stolen car, Toad is guilty. Guilty. He's found, he's guilty. found guilty. He is given a 20-year prison sentence. And his friends try to appeal. Now we're having like the story in newspapers, basically, as Basil Rathbone is narrating over. It's pretty funny, you know, appealing to the highest court. So it's high up on the page, the lowest court. It's at the bottom of the page to any court. It's in the middle of the page. And then at the very (laughs) bottom on the last page, no more appeals. It's over. Toads in jail. Like it's just a tiny little like the end, basically. (laughs) Right. And time passes. So now it's a Christmas movie. (laughs) Right. And of course, this is the least believable part of this movie. You know, forget the talking (laughs) toad. A rich person facing consequences? Not in this country. (laughs) Well, it isn't in this country. Not in that country either. (laughs) Uh, So he's in the tower, missing his friends. He actually repents of his mad, foolish manias. He's going to be a reformed toad. Then Cyril comes to visit. Mm, in his grandma. In a, his grandma comes to visit, and it's Cyril in a granny costume. So mom status, I mean grandmom status, fake. <laughs> <laughs> you snuck that one up on me. I you did. snuck up that mom status. I did. Mom status horse. <laughs> fake <laughs> male horse. <laughs> then um, Cyril has brought an extra disguise for Toad. So Toad puts on 
the same costume, but in his own size of the granny costume, and then he escapes. I presume Cyril stays there? <laughs> I don't know what happens They to don't explain it. <laughs> I, I would happily watch Cyril Proud Bottoms 11. <laughs> so, of course, as soon as Cyril is telling him about this plan for escape, you know, all of Toad's resolutions to be good again are gone out. This new mania is escape. <laughs> and he is spotted by the cops. So then, of course, it's a big chase scene. He steals a train engine, because of course. Which is just a funny idea. I mean, a train chase, because like, just go to the end of the line. It's a train. I know. So he's in one train. All the cops pile on a train behind, and it's like constant gunfire from them at him. There's a lot of business also before that. There's this... Pretty evocative and exciting, if obviously rendered extremely cheaply, chase through the London fog, and there's That's some good true. fog effects. There's the bit where he's using his ball and chain as a bustle. Yep, there we go, a bustle again. Exactly. A new word. See, this show's educational. <laughs> One thing I noticed throughout this, because I was really trying to watch for like the visuals of this, because mm-hmm. it does look so much better than the other wartime era films. So I was kind of looking for what's some of the stuff that's cheaper. And one thing you see throughout this movie, in our Snow White episode, we talk about how you see the dwarves cottage from so many different angles. Right. And they drew so many different backgrounds. Yeah. With this, it's like every scene has one good background and they're reusing it over and over again. Which I, again, I still prefer to a lot of the stuff we've been watching lately where it's Mm -hmm. like you have one ugly or just a plain color background. Yeah. And total laziness. I, I mean, I say laziness. Total having no money right, or time. Right, right. But yeah. And, and so there is this whole chase. And then it ends with Toad in the water. Then he's like, oh, I forgot. I can't swim. And he's like, you think maybe he's trapped underwater gonna die. But he does manage to show up at, I assume it's Ratty's house. It makes it seem like Rat and Bull are both living there. But um, Mole was coming to Rat's house previously as like a guest so Mm -hmm. who knows it's not important rat and mole are both having christmas dinner they miss toad all of a sudden toad shows up at the door and mole is of course extremely glad to see him yay it's a merry christmas after all and rat is like but you need to go back to prison (laughs) you need to pay your debt to society and then of course there's a knock on the door and they're like oh no it's the police toad's like hide me and rat's like no (laughs) and mole's like don't you think we could no open the door but it's not the police. It's McBadger. Yep. And he comes to tell them. Toad is in hiding, of course, when McBadger first comes in. He comes to tell them he's seen Toad Hall. It's full of weasels. And Mr. Winky is there with the deed. Yep. So Toad was innocent the whole time. And then, of course, you know, Toad reveals himself. Right. And he's like, yeah. yay, I'm free. Except not. McBadger's like, no, we have to get the deed to prove your innocence or you won't be free in the eyes of the law. Right. So now it is more of a kind of a weird little heist movie. That's like the final movement of this. Really, I say it's a heist movie. What it actually is, is something that I'm now realizing is a trope of Disney animation, which is you have to get something from a sleeping guy. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is weirdly a well we've already been to several times. (laughs) But it's a funny one. So first, you know, they boat down the river to the secret tunnel entrance to Toad Hall. They are nearly spotted by a guard when Toad tries to shoot him with a shotgun or something. Listen, J. Thaddeus Toad, he's a cool guy. 
He's definitely, of these guys, he's the one you want to hang out with. Yeah. He seems like a real bro. Yeah. He's certainly distributing the wealth. He is. You gotta give him credit for that. Yep. Um, Good friend. He should not have been invited to the stealth mission. <laughs> I know we're all happy Toad's back, but you just gotta be like, hey, why don't you stay here? Yeah. Enjoy some Christmas food. It isn't bread and gruel. Right. Or at least don't bring a gun. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or don't yes, let it true. anywhere near him. If we're going to make the mistake of bringing Toad on the stealth mission, do not make the subsequent mistake of giving him a firearm. Right, right. Fortunately, you know, despite him, they managed to get there, and the weasels have had themselves a great Christmas. Exactly. They're all passed out drunk. They are indeed. Sounds fun. Everyone in the house is passed out drunk. In various funny positions. Yes, including one who's being held by the arms of a portrait... (laughs) Blue skidoo, we can too. <laughs> you ever just drunkenly half skidoo into a painting? Half skidoo. <laughs> a lot of people are not going to know this from Blue's Clues, ladies and gentlemen. I did not expect that one. <laughs> um, so they go up. They go up onto the balcony. They tie a, a sheet rope again. Bunch of sheets tied together around Mole, and they're lowering him down over Winky to take the deed out of his pocket. And of course, there's just this, you know, more business of this. As you would expect, it's not easy. (laughs) Right, but they know Winky has the deed because he's the only one who is not part of the background and is instead a discreet animated (laughs) element. He's actually the only one breathing. Yes. (laughs) All the others are dead. (laughs) Also, he's got a big piece of paper sticking out of his pocket. Because right. that's where you... But I mean, yeah. well, who among us doesn't just sleep with our important paperwork? Right. But yeah, I mean, this this Mickey and the Beanstalk stuff again yeah. is Willie the Giant, which is fine. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, it is what it is. And of course, as with Willie the Giant, it all goes wrong at the last minute. Yep. The guard co- does manage to find the secret passage and come in just as they're about to get away with the deed. And then it's a big game of keep away with the deed. It's great fun. Yes, it's, it's almost... Uh, although, of course, this was later. It's almost Scooby-Doo-esque, right? Where yeah. it's like we're running back and forth. Yes. And different people are taking the things. Hitting people over the head background. or tripping or grabbing or... Yeah. But it's it's notably very violent. Oh, yeah. Mean, so many knives. This movie in general, like, we're getting back into that golden era Disney darkness. <laughs> and it goes on for a while. Even to the point of when it seems like they're going to escape. That's when we have all this business with this trap door. Or a secret passage, I guess you yeah. call it. Ta-da! Toad has the deed after all. He, he managed to get it in the craziness. And yeah, there's a, like the Toad Guilty headline earlier, now it's Toad Cleared. Yep. And we get to New Year's Day, and New Year, New Toad, everybody's happy. Yep. Everything's going to be different. Yep. But of course, Toad has his airplane. He has a new mania. And I like the button we end on, which is, Really now, don't we envy him a bit? Like the the <laughs> yeah. This short actually has another thing that's been missing from Disney movies for a while, a theme. <laughs> and and the theme is, you know, the idea of like, oh, if only we could not have to worry about our worldly possessions and just have fun all the time. Right. Which isn't the deepest idea, mm-hmm. but it does speak to something. Yep. Yep. And then we're back in the library and Bing Crosby's like 
well, you know, sure, England has some characters, but let's not forget about America. Yeah, we've got some characters, too. And then he lists several of them we've already seen shorts for. <laughs> yes, he talks about, I don't know, Johnny Appleseed and... Pecos pa- Bill. Our country's existed for a little over a hundred years. We have just as rich as history of art and literature as England. <laughs> for example, this guy who's really into apples. <laughs> He pulls out the book, which is called Ichabod Crane, which, of course, there was never a whole book of Ichabod Crane, but that's totally fine. The Legend of Sleepy Hollow, we talked a bit about, like, our relationship with the Wind in the Willows book. Legend of Sleepy Hollow is a story that I have read many times. It's a short story, though. It's not a book. It's a short story. (laughs) It is. That helps. But also, it is an early piece of American Gothic fiction, which is something that I've studied a lot. It was an interest in high school. In college, I actually got to take like serious literature classes on it. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, this is a really important element in that, even though it is slightly comedic, which makes it a pretty good fit for Disney. Yeah. Uh, it was written by Washington Irving, who also wrote Rip Van Winkle. And so this is like, again, even though I'd never watched this movie, I was very familiar with both of the stories mm-hmm. and somewhat surprised. This one is a lot closer to the original story. Yeah. Again, it helps that it's a short story. Yeah. It does make a lot of changes. Mm-hmm. One of them is it is less connected to revolutionary history. Like yeah. the Headless Horseman in the book, he's a Hessian mercenary who like fought for the British. It's like very explicitly set right after the revolution and very connected to kind of these ideas of it being a brand new country and what does that mean? Yeah. There's less of that in this. Which, you know, is okay. It's, it's, it's a cartoon. A bi- it's a movie for babies. At the end of the day. <laughs> My point is just that this is a story I, like, am very invested in. So I was excited to see the Disney version of it. So we start off, of course, it's Bing Crosby explaining. He talks about Icky, by the oh, way. He, he Almost immediately he's calling Ichabod Crane Icky. At least he doesn't do it through the whole thing. But I was like, oh, no. Does it a few times. It's it's a problem. Ichabod Crane is the first person you see walking along. Very strange walk. He's got gigantic feet. And he's describing him and how he looks with his, you know, tiny neck and tiny head and giant nose. And um, he's just a very strange, tall man. He's an itinerant schoolmaster. He is that kind of character in... The book. I mean, he's supposed to be very lanky and lean and he looks weird. Yep. And it's very important that he is an outsider. Yes. Because he's a Yankee, uh-huh. which at the time meant like somebody not from New England. Because <laughs> the New Englanders didn't consider themselves that. They considered themselves having more of a connection to England and not like these rural bumpkins. Yeah. But the, the point is, the fact that he's an outsider is very important. And here's the thing. The design of Ichabod Crane in this movie is fairly faithful to the book, but more importantly, it is hilarious. It is. He looks kind of like a bird bobbing along. <laughs> he looks like a weird alien. Yeah. And watching this character design do anything is funny. <laughs> I kept actually laughing out loud, which is another thing I haven't done at these movies for a while. Mm-hmm. Just at a scene of him, like, walking <laughs> or eating yeah. or sitting. Yeah. They give him, and, like, they make sure the way he walks is so funny, the way he moves is funny. Yeah. He just... It's all so deliberate. He is not of this earth. He's... <laughs> somebody is piloting an Ichabod Crane suit. Yeah. And it's wonderful. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a great visual way to get that idea across. Yep. And it's also funny that Bing Crosby calls him an apparition. <laughs> yeah. 
It and Bing is. Crosby's like, hey, check out this mess. Mm-hmm. What the heck is going on with this? <laughs> yeah. You, you, you seen this? Basil, you seen this? I'm not talking to you! <laughs> Hurt my feelings. So then we're kind of introduced to a little bit of in the town. Ye old schnooker and schnapps shoppy. He actually says the E at the end of shop. Oh man, Bing. And there's a bunch of the young men of the town hanging out. And then, of course, the most popular guy in town shows up. Brom Bones, which sounds like trombone, <laughs> which is, I don't know. Which is another slight deviation from the book yeah. where Brom Bones is a nickname. Yeah. And it says his real name, which is Abraham von something Dutch. Yeah. It's a very Dutch community. It's a Dutch settlement. Yeah. Yeah. And Ichabod Crane is not Dutch. And Bing Crosby, I mean, we've been making jokes about him. And obviously, as an actual man, he's a somewhat complicated figure. But this is him at the peak of his powers. And it's so obvious that A, he actually cared about this, which is nice. Mm -hmm. And B, you just, you totally get it. You get why he was the figure he was. He does have so much charisma. Yeah. His narration is really great. As we go into the first song here, especially. We get introduced to Brom Bones. He likes pranks and jokes. He's a very strong guy, most popular. He's a bit like Gaston, but he's not exactly like him because no one is quite like Gaston. Pretty good. I was going to save this for sequels, spinoffs, remakes, rides, and reboots. That was intentional. The character animator who did Gaston in Beauty and the Beast has said... He was inspired by Brom Bones. It's it's noticeable. <laughs> it's it's quite noticeable. Yep. Which is fine. Yep. Although he's nicer than Gaston. That's the thing. This movie does, it feels like it had more of an impact than a lot of the other ones we're talking about. Like, I don't know. I couldn't find anyone actually saying that the weasels from Roger Rabbit were influenced by the weasels in this. Oh, I saw it definitely was. I saw it definitely oh, was. Oh, it definitely was? That's something I saw said, but... I, I mean, they look just like practically. They look just like yeah. it has to be true. Yeah. Brown Bones is a nice guy. It's nice that they keep that character complexity mm-hmm. of like Ichabod Crane is the main character, but he's less sympathetic. All of the characters are more complex. There's nobody who you can say is the good guy, the bad guy in this segment. It's less cut and dried. Right. In most stories, modern stories, especially the weird nerd the outsider would be like the underdog hero. Right. And the tough jock would be the jerk. Mm -hmm. It's not that way in the story. Exactly. It's not that way here. Exactly. Which is good. So there's the Ichabod Crane song that starts Mm -hmm. off with Brahm and the other townspeople seeing Ichabod Crane for the first time and going, what is that? (laughs) Odds Bodkins, Gadzooks. Look at that old spook Spook of spooks. spooks. Yeah. (laughs) And unlike Melody Time and, again, some of the other stuff we've been watching recently, the song here is good. Mm -hmm. All Mm -hmm. of the songs in this are good. The Katrina song is just okay. Yeah. But even that is more memorable than, you know. Some of the others where we were like, I already can't remember how the song went. (laughs) Ichabod, I I made a note, he's very good at networking. (laughs) So when he's... He's, he's, he's a good schoolmaster. The children are well behaved. He's like peeking in their lunches to see who has a good lunch they've brought to school. So he knows whose house he wants to be invited to for dinner. He's a bit of a con man and he is 
greedy, which again is in the story. Yeah. He only cares about Katrina for her money. In this, they soften it a little bit by making it like yeah. he has some romantic interest, but also he wants that dollar. Yeah, he's he's very into food as well. Like he likes his food, this guy. That he does, despite again being like <laughs> a, a sick, sick person. Yeah, it doesn't matter how much he eats. <laughs> Possibly a stick bug who is granted a wish to become a person. <laughs> Yeah, uh, it's the it's the prequel that I'm sure is coming. The live action Delarm prequel. Oh dear. The other thing I was gonna say that is the one kind of through line in these stories. Yeah. Is if you care about wealth, you suck <laughs> a little bit. Like Toad, you know, aren't we all envious of him? He is a rich guy, but he doesn't care about his money at all. Yeah. And Mac Badger, who's more concerned with that, he's like, oh, he's more stodgy. and He's stressed out. Toad gets swindled out of his money when he doesn't even care about it. Right. He just wants to have fun. And in this as well, Ichabod Crane, you know, is, is again greedier and more interested in money. And for this, he is murdered on screen. <laughs> Maybe. Which we have to get to. Right. Uh, and there's the Coral Society, where he eats a giant salad. <laughs> he's trying to teach these girls to sing. And the girls are all like, Falling over him because, of course, he's singing with Bing Crosby's voice. (laughs) (laughs) They're going nuts over the stuff. (laughs) Yes, this is this is an excuse for the Bing Crosby kind of, I guess you call it scatting. But yeah, yeah, where he's doing the bo 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 bo. Even though Ichabod basically is like flirting with everybody, he's not really interested in anybody specifically except for their food until he meets Katrina, Katrina Van Tassel. And then we have the Katrina song. Right. And the Katrina song is just okay. Here's my like SJW, you know, complaining about social justice sidebar. It's not even really a social justice issue, but there is a known trend, especially, but not exclusively in Western animation, but just in character design in general that persists today, where women only ever get to have one body type and men get to have a lot more. Mm. And you see it in this movie. I've been talking about the character designs throughout and how great they all are. And in this short, again, Brom Bones manages to be big and annoying, but somehow also you can tell he's friendly. Ichabod Crane, his character design is one of the greatest triumphs of this generation. And there are several other young men who are the friends of Brom who all look different. And then we meet Katrina and she looks exactly like Pecos Bill's Slufutsu, exactly like the character in the ice skating short and melody time. Like, she is just the girl I think she's the the girl in the Martins and the Coys too. Martins and... Yeah. Yeah. And I found it really, really jarring, not just because this is obviously something I am attuned to as like a women and gender studies person, but it's so jarring in this movie when everyone else gets to look so interesting and strange that she's just... Boring. I mean, I guess they do have a couple other women, but they are not named either. They're... That are different sizes and shapes, but... Well, yeah, but the other main woman is the fat one, which gets into a different strain of sexism right it's true the the main male characters look different but she's the main female character and she's boring yeah but she's not a very good person either she's a coquette she's kind of a flirt she's basically enjoying her power over all the young men of the town right and she doesn't seem to have any real interest in ichabod crane except that nobody else will compete with brom bones right and he will 
because he's a dang freak. Well, and I think he believes more in his own attraction. This is where this short or this medium, as mm-hmm. we've turned it, started to lose me. I find all this long courtship sequence next pretty boring. I, I mean, there's just a lot of business with... There's a whole bunch of stuff making Brom jealous and upset and Ichabod getting away with it. He's very smooth. Ichabod is a very smooth mm-hmm. operator and very smooth in his motions even though he looks gangly and ridiculous, right? he is very smooth in his actions and sneaky, and he's very good at sleight of hand. Like he grabs some flowers from a vase in Katrina's own house without her <laughs> noticing and presents them to her like, oh, this lovely bouquet for you. And stuff like that has been happening throughout the whole short, you know, though usually related to food. <laughs> I don't know. I could have used maybe one scene of this but there's, there's a few bits. Yeah, of it goes on for a while. But eventually, Katrina invites Ichabod to the Halloween party. Yeah. Which is, in my opinion, very boring for a while as well. This is where we get the jokes with the fat girl that are like, uh, yeah. okay, I guess we have to do this. She has a name, apparently. It's Matilda. Brahm is wanting to dance with Katrina, uh, but Ichabod is. And doesn't he look weird when he's dancing? His feet are ten times bigger than everyone else's. And he, <laughs> he looks weird when he's doing everything. That's true. Yet he doesn't step on anyone. <laughs> he's a very good dancer. <laughs> somehow he, he has learned how to pilot his wretched form very well oh, it's well. true That's... it's so true should note um, also there's a few other voices in this besides being crosby sort of pinto colvig who is goofy and who has been other mm-hmm. things is a uh, brahms horse and <laughs> gunpowder the headless horseman's horse and mm-hmm. ichabod crane whatever he's screaming clarence nash is ichabod's horse clarence <laughs> nash aka donald duck billy bletcher who is best known for pete to disney fans is the headless horseman so we've got some we got some that disney old stars mostly doing like animal noises and screams yeah I don't know what it sounds like when Bing Crosby screams. I imagine it's just like, ah. <laughs> Eventually, after all this dancing and all this Halloween party and all and this, they keep talking about the courtship being a war and Ichabod is being victorious. Yeah. We finally establish that Ichabod is very suspicious. Superstitious. Superstitious, rather, yes. They do a few things about with that in the very first song about him. Not that they say it, but he doesn't walk under a ladder. There's a black cat coming towards him. He turns it around so it doesn't cross his path. Stuff like that. So you get some clues earlier about his superstition. But we're told now he's very superstitious. He believes in ghosts. And so Brahm is like, aha! Now here's a way I might be able to get back at him. And this is another change that I think is relevant and important as we go into the back half of this thing from the story to mm-hmm. the movie. Yeah. In the story, it starts out by talking about how Sleepy Hollow is actually known for its ghosts. It has a weird haunted atmosphere. Yeah. It's supposedly been bewitched, possibly by the wizard of a Native American tribe. <laughs> okay, Washington Irving. Oh, yes, wizard. yes. But, you know, there's there's this atmosphere set up from the beginning of this supernatural. What's interesting mm-hmm. about the Disney version is it takes a hard left turn. Right here. Yeah. Right here. Yeah. Right now. Hey, the last 10 minutes of this are going to be straight horror. Yeah. The only really thing that is a clue about that early in the in this medium 
when Bing Crosby's describing the town, a quaint little town. And then there's a brief moment where he's like, uh, with some spookiness and you see a graveyard, like in the music, it's slightly spooky for a moment. And then you go off on this happy adventure with Ichabod and his romance <laughs> for a long time. But now, even though this is not my favorite of the two segments, this is my single favorite scene. Yeah. I think it's kind of inarguable, yeah. which is the song about the Headless Horseman, which is called Headless Horseman. It's a great song. Although when you think about it, it's a kind of a happy, upbeat song. For a creepy, scary guy. It is. <laughs> it's a swinging song. He's yeah. out looking for a head to chop. <laughs> <laughs> like, it is. That's, that really illustrates some of the tonal disparity that yeah. plagues this short right there. But it's 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 a great song, though. And Ichabod is, like, really nervous and, you know, making a mess. And Katrina is laughing. It shows you right there. She's not really into Ichabod. No. <laughs> No, this is just, wouldn't it be, can you imagine? That's that's what she's doing. She's like, hey, can you imagine though? Yeah. There was a pop version recorded of this that was released on a separate album, even from the like Legend of Sleepy Hollow album. <laughs> it was this as the A side and Katrina as the B side. <laughs> um, and it adds a, a final stanza. Uh-huh. So like this song was a hit. Not a huge hit, but you know. I saw somewhere that there was a version that Thrill Ravenscroft recorded. And I was like, oh, I want to hear that one. I bet that's cool. I also want to hear that version. His very deep voice. Honestly, this is one of the great Disney villain songs. Yeah. Which yeah. is like a trope that doesn't actually exist yet, I think, in the movies we've talked about thus far. We haven't had any real villain songs before, I don't think. There aren't a lot of pure villains in the ones There's we've seen. There's kind of only the evil queen so far. And she doesn't have a song, really. Genuinely, I think the other instance of a villain song we've had so far is fee fi fo fum <laughs> Right. fee hi ho And he's not that bad of a villain either. No. Anyway, this song rules. It's a fun sequence as well. You can see where they're cutting corners a bit, but like Brom Bones mm -hmm. is up by the fire. You talked yeah. about Ichabod Crane spilling tea all over everything. The other thing I was going to say is that here they introduce the idea of the Headless Horseman have a fl having a flaming top is part of the yeah, song. And I yeah. think they bring up the pumpkin as well. This is not quite the first thing to do this. There was like a very obscure adaptation in the 30s that did this as well. But this is really where the idea of the Headless Horseman having a pumpkin head was popularized. <laughs> Before funny. this and all adaptations of the story and like illustrations of the story, he, he just got no head. No head. He's headless. There is this detail of a smashed... The, the implication in the story, what happens is the horseman throws his severed head mm -hmm. which is on fire at mm -hmm. ichabod mm -hmm. that is what seems to kill him and then in the morning there is a shattered pumpkin so the implication is that his head turned into a pumpkin i guess like in the harsh light of day mm -hmm. sort of i mean we'll talk about the twist that isn't in this as well so then ichabod is heading home on his borrowed horse which is like a slow plodding plow horse and now we get to this really long, drawn-out, spooky sequence. Without talking much, without singing, it just kind of, he's plodding along through the, the hollow. There's, you know, echoing noises, and all the animal sounds he hears start turning into his name. He's spooked by fireflies in a stump, and owl, and he's just very nervous now. 
And this is another portion that I found a little boring. To be clear, like, it's not bongo. Yeah. But a, a little dull. But it is, like, baby's first psychological horror. I mean, <laughs> I, I could see a child, you know, who has not been exposed to this kind of thing. Like, it, it is this good, spooky atmosphere yeah, for that. Yeah, and it, it, I felt like it builds the spookiness well. Um, it's not like snow white when she's running in terror and it's like you know thing after thing terrifying her it's more of a slow burn yes and it is still a little funny which again is like the thing about this short is that it's it's trying to be both scary and funny sometimes it hits just right sometimes it doesn't he hears these cattails and he thinks sounds like a horse's hooves and he's like ah and then he realizes it's cattails and he starts to laugh and he's laughing and laughing like, oh, I was scared of nothing, he finally realizes. And then, of course, is when the Headless Horseman actually appears. And then the horse and Ichabod are both scared. And it's a chase. And the Headless Horseman is this incredible design. It's this incredible reveal. Yeah. It's a weird corner. I like animated horror. Mm-hmm. I wish there was more of it. Because obviously I like both animation and horror, but also the most horrifying things are also like the farther away you get from reality and the less human you get, you know, that is what is always more creepy to me. And I think Mm -hmm. more creepy in general, obviously animation, you can, you can do stuff that is totally unreal. One of my favorite examples of this I want to shout out is the movie nine from 2009, the number nine, Mm -hmm. which is a movie that has some flaws, but is a really great example of that. Maybe it's not really for kids. I believe PG-13, and that's a pretty hard 13. But this is as close as Disney ever got to that, at least in the films we're talking about, I I definitely think. Yeah. Because uh, the the Headless Horseman is horrifying. This this last Mm -hmm. sequence is just a, like, horror movie chase. Yep. And there are silly, funny things that go on, like, you know, of course, Ichabod ending up on the wrong horse for a while. You know, he's riding the horse backwards. There's all kinds of goofy things. He remembers, though, that Brahm said, if you can cross the bridge over the brook, the headless horseman will have to stop. He can't chase you over the bridge. Here's here's the point, though. Yeah. He murders a guy with a flaming pumpkin. (laughs) He's holding a pumpkin, flaming pumpkin head. And he throws it at... Directly at the camera. So creepy. apparently freaked people out at the time. And again, it would definitely get to Mm -hmm. people now. Yeah. And then, you know, it goes to black. We're told the next morning all they could find was, you know, Ichabod's hat on the ground next to a broken pumpkin. Some people say that... Ichabod is in some other county. In a distant county, married to a wealthy widow, and he carves up the turkey in what is a reused piece of animation (laughs) from when he's carving the turkey earlier. Yeah, but the people of Sleepy Hollow know that, no, he was totally taken by the Headless Horseman. (laughs) Uh, And that's the end. And Bing Crosby says, man, I'm getting out of here. And it's so sudden. It is truly shocking. You're like, what? And Brom marries Katrina. Yes, of course. Yeah. Okay, so here's the thing. In the story, or most, not all, but most other adaptations of it, Brom Bones is the Headless Horseman. It's not just mm-hmm. that he tells the story, it's that the Headless Horseman is a very, very well-known story. Yeah. Brom Bones dresses up as the Headless Horseman. It's not outright stated, but it's very heavily implied, like, because it it's a horse that looks mm-hmm. like his horse, mm-hmm. and he's said to be a very good rider, 
And anytime anyone mentions Ichabod Crane, he like has a very knowing look. Mm-hmm. The whole point is he dresses up as this thing to scare Ichabod Crane away <laughs> to have his lady love. This right. short doesn't have any no. of that, which I think my assumption, right, having not seen this before, right. is that it would lean into it more. It would go from this is what happened, low key. I assumed this short would make it very explicit that that was what happened in order to not scare children. It does not. Ichabod looks down the empty neck of the severed horseman and freaks out. Yeah, instead, it is, I think, explicitly this supernatural force. And I do think you're supposed to take away that it kills him. Again, I think that the, I don't know, maybe this is just them being lazy with the animation, but the fact that they reused the exact same shot of him carving the turkey made it feel to me like this is an obvious like falsehood or fantasy. <laughs> this is a Disney movie where the villain wins yeah. and kills a guy with a pumpkin. And I kind of <laughs> can't get over it. And I also can't get over how suddenly it ends. Yeah, My guess is maybe... You know, because they were rushing this to completion pretty quickly. Maybe they would have done more of that at the end. I don't know. Maybe they wanted it to be an actual spooky story. But I think they give that, some people say Ichabod is well and just far away. So that if you have little kids, you could tell them, oh no, he's really fine. (laughs) Right. Whether you believe he is or not. That's the thing. In In the actual story... You are kind. It feels like you, as the reader, are supposed to give equal weight to either of those things happening. Yeah. Because it's not the point. The point is that Brom Bones scared him off and got the girl. <laughs> and he's the hero. Yeah. Because Ichabod Crane is also much greedier in the book. The point here, I feel like that is just a scene to ease children. I feel like the film is implying more that he's actually dead. <laughs> and especially because the supernatural stuff isn't spoken of until so late it feels like this story is just about like a guy who was a little greedy and a little weird but basically okay targeted for indiscriminate murder for no reason (laughs) by a dark god it's wild and i think that's why this short has more of a cult classic status because people are like hey you know there's this insane very scary like disney short i think of the two segments I also would say the Mr. Toad segment is my favorite. It's hard to say. I've definitely seen the Legend of Sleepy Hollow segment more. That much spooky now, but I I like the way there's the slow build of the mm. the spooky woods um, that he's going through. It amuses me. And again, I don't dislike this short. There's mm-hmm, a lot I mm-hmm. like about it. I think in the end, it's not quite as cohesive and it's not as consistently entertaining as Wind in the Willows. Mm-hmm. Still had a solid time with it. Yeah. Part of it might be, obviously, I have a strong connection to the original story. So this yeah. just might be a case of I'm the jerk who likes the book. You like the, the book better. better. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. Let us talk briefly about some sequels. Spin-offs. Spin-offs, remakes, rides and beats. I was going to try to alter it. Too bad. I'm doing my own thing. We are a little short on time. We talked about the Beauty and the Beast connection. These shorts have been released in 100,000 different ways on their own. Yeah, it's funny that, you know, it came out in 49 and in the 50s, they were split up and not put back together again for a long time. Right. They were just released individually. That kind of makes sense. It does. 
They make more sense individually. There's a little bit of interesting thematic thread with like the money and they both take place around holidays, but like... Yeah, that's reaching. I I feel like if you're a parent, you probably want these to be split up because... (laughs) For younger kids, you probably just want to show them Wind in the Willows. Again, I know we're getting ahead. Anyway, I'm not going to go through all the different versions and all the different changes because we've done that a lot during the wartime era and I I don't think anyone cares. (laughs) If you feel like you've seen a version of this that's slightly different than the one in the movie, you probably have. To be honest, they didn't do as many changes to the Legend of Sleepy Hollow segment as they did the Wind in the Willows segment. That's all I was going to say about it. Obviously, there have been tons of other adaptations of both of these stories. Fewer Mm -hmm. for Wind in the Willows, a lot for Sleepy Hollow uh, in film and elsewhere. There was apparently a television show that I've never heard of, but like a very recent one that got four seasons. Yeah, I've heard of it. I never watched any of it. It doesn't look like I would like it. Obviously, the one thing we have to talk about is Mr. Toad's Wild Ride. Yes, which was, of course, at both Disneyland and the Magic Kingdom originally, but now it is just at Disneyland. And the the Magic Kingdom one was slightly different. There were two different tracks Ah. that didn't have quite the same scenes, whereas the Disneyland version is just on one track. Um, Yeah. This has never been, I don't know, it's kind of a kid's ride, right? It is, but it's it's a dark ride. Yes. Um, so it's called Mr. Toad's Wild Ride, and it's it's one of those dark rides with like glowing stuff. Yep. Um, and you're riding around like you're in a car with Mr. Toad driving like a crazy guy, kind of. Funnily enough, something that doesn't actually happen. You never in the movie. actually see him driving the car. He does drive the car. But you never get to see it. The closest you come, there's a picture in one of the newspapers of Toad sitting in the car while the police are arresting him. <laughs> yes. But obviously, I mean, if you're going to adapt this into a ride, you want it to be Toad in a motor car. So that's what it is. Right. As you say, in 1998 at Walt Disney World, it was replaced with The Many Adventures of Winnie the Pooh, which is a similar ride. Yeah. The reason I asked if this was more of a kid's ride is because I don't remember riding it much. And I feel like it's been whenever we go there, it's like you're kind of fine. It's one of those small fantasy land rides like Snow White Scary Adventures or the Peter Pan ride, Peter Pan's Flight or Flight Over Neverland or whatever it's called. I'm sure we'll look it up when we get to that episode. Yep. The lines tend to be really slow. They are designed more for the younger children. Who wants to wait in that long of a line with a young child and everybody else is young children in the line being cranky because it's taking so long for a short ride. So I'm sure we would have ridden it once, maybe twice if we could get on there, but it was never a high priority for us. This ride is quite popular. It's quite beloved. Yes. I think in part because it's one of the few rides that like the park opened with that's still around in pretty much the same format. And so, like, there's some really high-quality ride videos on YouTube that I watched one of. There was a total 3D virtual recreation (laughs) that you could ride online that appears to have been taken down, probably by the infamous Disney lawyers. But, like, people love this thing, and people are really committed to trying to reconstruct it, especially the Magic Kingdom version that was a little cooler and no longer exists. Apparently there was a lot of people upset when they replaced it with Winnie the Pooh instead of 
Mr. Toad's Wild Ride, but what can you do? So again, I watched this ride video. What stood out to me is that it doesn't have animatronics. It's more kind of these cardboard like flaps sticking out. Uh-huh. There's several characters from the from the movie. You, the prosecutor, although technically he's a judge here, is back. There's like a statue of Cyril Proudbottom. Winky mm-hmm. the bartender is there for a hot second. Um, and also you go to hell. Yeah, I thought I remembered you going to hell. Yeah, you do. You descend into hell after the judge. You go to the like the courtroom scene. The judge, who again looks like the prosecutor with a giant chin, yeah. uh, sentences yeah. you to hell, apparently. <laughs> oh, no, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm reading the description now. It wasn't as clear on, you know, the ride video. What happens is... You are sent to a prison cell, uh-huh. then you land on railroad tracks, so you're doing the train chase, <laughs> then you collide head-on with an oncoming train, That's and right. then you go to hell, because you have just <laughs> died in a car crash. Yeah. Which, much like the end of this movie, is just a wild last-minute pivot. It's a wild ride. <laughs> it certainly is, and then there are several devils and demons, and they howl at you, and there's a green dragon that breathes fire into your face. <laughs> and then you kind of just go into the unload area, and then you just, yep. like, leave. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. So, you know, Mr. Toad is on a wild ride, for sure. Did you have anything else you wanted to talk about in this section? Oh, I was going to mention there are a few other things, like there's a Toad Hall restaurant at Disneyland Paris. There's a Sleepy Hollow snack stand in the Magic Kingdom still, if you want a Sleepy Hollow reference. Of course, they are always doing Headless Horseman stuff for the Halloween Disneyland Halloween things. Like, the Headless Horseman is one of their best... Um, spooky villain so he's everything Halloween right and you know maybe that's why they made him so spooky and actually like a real spirit (laughs) so they could have him forever for Halloween Um, I I made a funny note about is the great mouse detective like a sequel because I know (laughs) we we forgot to mention this it does kind of have a sim in addition to just Basil Rathbone being in both yeah it does kind of have a similar energy to the wind in the willows like just I guess the fact yeah. that it's British and we're in these like lavish locations and everything yep I can't wait to talk about Great Mouse Detective also Mickey's Christmas Carol has a lot more characters from the Mr. Toad segment than I even remembered. I remembered Rat and Mole are the two uh, gentlemen asking for charity, but I had forgotten Toad is Fezziwig. Um, Cyril is the horse that Donald is, is pulling Donald's cart. Donald is, of course, you know, the nephew. And so at the end, when Scrooge just sees Donald and is like, I'm going to come to your, or says Merry Christmas, I'll be at your party, whatever. Donald is talking to Cyril about it. <laughs> like, I'd forgotten Cyril was even in it. And I think even McBadger is like in a background scene or something. Wow. So I didn't remember how much Mickey's Christmas Carol is like related to the Wind in the Willows part. There you go. That's a that's a sequel. Yeah. That's a spin-off. Yeah. One more park thing to mention, by the way, in Magic Kingdom, in in the Haunted Mansion, there's of course the cemetery, there's a pet cemetery, yes. there's a gravestone yes. for Mr. Toad, which was <laughs> there before they took out the ride. But since that particular tombstone is only at Magic Kingdom, and Magic Kingdom is where they killed the Mr. Toad ride. Now everybody jokes about it. Unintentionally hilarious. Yes. And I do think, you know, we've talked about how beyond the literal, like, spinoffs and references, this movie definitely has 
way more of a cultural impact than yeah. almost anything else we've talked. It's like three caballeros. Because, mm. you know, here we are at the end of the wartime era. We're about to ask our two questions as we look back. This and three caballeros are like the only ones anybody cares about. <laughs> I clearly, you know, have a lot of fondness for Make Mine Music. I enjoyed Saludos Amigos watching it for the first time. Fun yeah. and Fancy for your Melody Time can go into the garbage. <laughs> What, what can we say about the wartime era that we haven't already? It's I don't know. It's hard to think of anything we haven't already said. They are collections of shorts and mediums. They are basically just trying to get by and we don't have enough money or animators or time to do what we really want to do, which is full-length features. So we're going to do what we can to fill up the time until we can do full-length features again. And some of them hit and some of them miss. And they just threw them out there, <laughs> I feel it feels like, you know? It is. It, it's been a fascinating time to talk about, even yeah. as most of the movies, like, have not really been that enjoyable. Or even ones that we were that familiar with. Yeah. You know, it, we were less familiar with these. It's It's been a fascinating time. And this is kind of why I wanted to do this podcast specifically, like, let's go through the whole Disney animated canon. Mm -hmm. Because what's most interesting to me as we do this podcast are the nooks and crannies of Disney yeah. history. Like, I'm excited to talk about the big movies. I'm obviously, a, more than ever, really looking forward to the Silver <laughs> Era. Yeah. It's almost more interesting to talk about these weird, out-of-the-way things. Um, <laughs> and even... And frankly, these things that are pretty bad. I mean, we're not going to get into another era that's as strange and off-putting as the wartime era, I think, until possibly the time period I'm looking forward to the most, which is the experimental era. <laughs> I don't know. The bronze era is a little iffy, too. There's some garbage in between. I don't know. It, it'll be interesting. It was an interesting yeah, time. It was. And it's something that people don't talk about. It's, it's this asterisk on the legacy of Disney. Mm -hmm. Just be glad it was only six episodes long. <laughs> All of our later eras are longer. So if we get to another era, that's going to, you know, kick our butts, it's going to be even worse. <laughs> <laughs> that's, it, it, look, it was shorts madness. That's what we promised. Yes. That's what we delivered. Yes. I hope you have enjoyed this wild ride with all of us. <laughs> now, we don't evaluate these movies on a number system. We ask each other two questions, the first of which is, Mom, would you recommend The Adventures of Ichabod and Mr. Toad? I would recommend The Adventures of Ichabod and Mr. Toad, even though the two segments don't necessarily mean much together. They're both good segments. As a whole, it is fun to watch. With the, you know, the library framing device, like we're just, we are just going to tell you about two characters that are great. <laughs> yep. It doesn't matter if they're related to each other at all. And Basil Rathbone is a good narrator and Bing Crosby is a good narrator and singer. And they're both fun segments and definitely more recommendable than Melody Time. <laughs> mm -hmm. I definitely would recommend this movie. Here's my scorching hot take. Maybe, or maybe not. I think this is the best of the wartime era. <laughs> I, again, I was like so burnt out. I was expecting to not like this movie. Yeah. Instead, I walk away feeling like this is inarguably the best. It still can't quite, it can't really compete with anything from the golden era. 
Except maybe Pinocchio, which I didn't like. <laughs> well, it can't make your heart sore like Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs or Fantasia. Even Pinocchio looks way better. It's true. But it, yeah, it's still a good time. Would you show this movie to a child? I would show it to a child if I knew they were not scared of movies. I did not show it to my children. <laughs> because I was scared. Because you were scared of movies and things. I cannot recall if I was ever scared by this particular short. I was scared of the Headless Horseman when I was a child. Yeah. I had Headless Horseman nightmares and I slept on the top bunk. So, of course, his headless head space was at my eye level. <laughs> so you were In like nightmares. So you were like, if he if he shows up, I'm not going to know because I won't see his head. No, no, it'd be like he's looking at me. Oh, I see. With his lack of head. I see. Because I'm at his eye level. Yep. My sister gets away safe because she's in the bottom bunk. <laughs> I'm the one who dies. I see. <laughs> Noted. I understand now. So, you know, I'm not scared of this short now, for sure. Uh, I quite enjoyed it. But um, knowing that you were scared by things, I was not going to yeah. <laughs> inflict you with the, the, the headless horseman when you were a child. I did not need you to have those nightmares. <laughs> um, also, it wasn't very available. I mean, I am not a parent. I agree with you. It depends, like, how old is your child? How scared are they? Yeah. But this feels yeah. like a classic, you know, your kids can mm -hmm. watch half of this. Like, you just turn it <laughs> off after Wind of the Willows. Yeah. Because I think anyone could watch that. So, we're finally done. Next week, please tune in for 1950. I know, it's not as, you know, high profile as the movies we've been covering. <laughs> People uh, don't have as much fondness for this film as they do for Mr. Toad. <laughs> but uh, next week, we'll be covering a little, a little indie film, 1950s Cinderella. Mom, what do you think of this movie? Cinderella! <laughs> Sorry, I'm trying to sing a bit. No, no, me. no. No, don't explain it. You can do it again if you want. <laughs> Cinderella! It's like we're calling her to come to us. Summon the full-length movie. There you go. <laughs> Summon... <laughs> Cinderella is... I think I may have said this. Cinderella is has been a movie I'm not as fond of. Now I feel like I'm going to watch it and be like, Masterpiece! 10 out of 10! Best film I've ever seen! It's not... It's the, no... Yeah. Edgar Bergen's not in it. <laughs> Edgar Bergen no, is No, Edgar Bergen is really good and fun and fancy free. <sighs> so until next time, I'm me. I'm Mom. And it all started with a Mr. Toad. <laughs> I mean, with a mouse. <laughs>